Government 101. I hate to say this. I'm like, because I, I, I'm like, I know this subject, unfortunately, personally and professionally. Natural disasters. Hurricane Fiona that hit Puerto Rico and Hurricane Ian that hit the west coast of Florida and now inching its way up to South Carolina. I want to talk about natural disasters as it relates to how our government responds to it. And I know a lot of you are very familiar with the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA. Um, I know you're probably well-versed in emergency, natural disaster emergency declarations. And then also how Congress responds to it by providing supplemental emergency appropriations for natural disasters. So since this is top of mind and because, you know, it's Friday, September 30th, uh, the DMV is going to get remnants of Hurricane Ian. Um, most likely it will be a lot of rain. I've already gotten an alert from the National Weather Service expecting rain from Friday until probably Sunday. So I had to clean, you know, my backyard out so it won't get flooded. And then at the front of my house, um, removing all the debris, particularly the, the leaves and everything. But I digress. So this is topless government. This is a show that is a cross between Schoolhouse Rock and Civics for the Masses. So welcome to my podcast. We're going to talk about natural disasters. And I am far too familiar with natural disasters on a personal and professional, professional levels. So remember... This is just the beginning. This is, you know, the beginning of the first season of Topless Government. And I'm going to be discussing topics that are top of mind and also talking current events and anything, you know, that pops into my head during the podcast that I want to get out. I mean, and, you know, I want this to be relatable, fun, but I want it to also be informative. So... As always, I would be pleased if you would subscribe, rate, share, and review the show. So let's get started, okay? So Wednesday, Hurricane Ian hit the West Coast of Florida, and I've seen pictures of the city of Fort Myers, and it's looking bad. I mean, it was a Category 4, four when it hit landfall. And so the president, you know, approved the emergency declaration, disaster declaration, which provides the resources, the full resources and backing of the federal government. And so the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, is the lead federal agency. And FEMA is housed within the Department of Homeland Security. So FEMA has been on the ground providing the resources for these communities that have been hit hard. 
And I believe there is probably about maybe six to seven counties that were included in the emergency uh, declaration. And so now FEMA and the state of Florida are coordinating their efforts. It's going to take a long time for them to recover. And I know President Biden will be going down to Florida and he will also be going to Puerto Rico to assess the damage and then also talk to the local officials to see what is needed, like what gaps need to be filled uh, with regards to providing resources. First and foremost, I'm, I'm going to give you some background on as to why I'm so familiar with natural disasters. When I worked on Capitol Hill, I worked for a congressman who represented the second congressional district of Louisiana, and he was running for the Senate. And he was fortunate enough to win that Senate seat, and he was sworn in in 2005. Well, August of 2005, and specifically August 27th, that was when Hurricane Katrina hit. And that's when I learned firsthand about natural disasters. Hurricane Katrina was one of the worst hurricanes on record for the United States. And I have to tell you what the state of Louisiana went through, particularly Southeast Louisiana went through, it was devastating. There were many that perished. There were many that were, had, were dislocated from their friends and family and their homes. And the road to recovery, to be quite honest, was rough. Um, for us up on Capitol Hill, working on behalf of the state of Louisiana and its citizens, our constituents, we were just trying to figure out how to put our best foot forward and providing the necessary financial resources and working with FEMA and working with the Department of Housing and Urban Development, but specifically working with FEMA. And as I'm sure y'all are aware, back then, you know, President George W. Bush, you know, the infamous plane ride when he was on Air Force One, when he was surveying Southeast Louisiana from the plane, and then you remember the former um, FEMA administrator, Michael Brown. I mean, we, we can honestly admit the federal government did a poor job of helping out during Katrina. Um, they did a really poor job. And, you know, unfortunately, even now, FEMA still hasn't learned from its mistakes. Uh, especially when it comes to providing reimbursement for cities and localities to remove debris, to provide housing, to provide water, food, you name it. Um, the road to recovery for Puerto Rico and the state of Florida and also, you know, the state of South Carolina and particularly the city of Charleston, I mean, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be a long haul. And, you know, 
what is going to happen once it's fully assessed all the damage from Puerto Rico, from the state of Florida, from Charleston and, you know, the state of South Carolina, there's going to have to be an emergency supplemental to provide the, the necessary resources to get these communities back up and running. I mean, just think about it. You know, people have lost their houses, all of their personal belongings, and then also think about those that have were renting. Think about that. You know, the housing situation is going to be dire. And the road to recovery first starts with providing stable housing. Now, FEMA, they stockpile trailers. Now, I can tell you from when we were working through post-Hurricane Katrina, the FEMA trailers were deadly. There were some constituents in Louisiana that lost their lives because of formaldehyde poisoning because of the trailers. And, you know, it's just, they just don't work. I mean, there are other temporary shelters that can provide a humane way for people to recover from a natural disaster. I mean, and they're out there. They really, really are. And I can tell you one in particular is pallet shelter. <laughs> now, full disclosure, you know, I do represent them here in Washington, D.C., but I've seen their shelters up close and they have been widely used for the homelessness crisis, but they also can be used post-disaster recovery. You know, they can provide temporary shelter for first responders who are, you know, in, you know, the zone of the disaster. And then to those that survived a natural disaster. So let me take you on a journey on how Congress is going to respond. Now, as of right now, again, as I stated earlier, there has to be assessment of the damage from these two hurricanes. And once that is assessed, the congressional delegations will work with, you know, the House and Senate Appropriations Committee also with the authorizing committees that have jurisdiction, you know, over housing, transportation, um, education, you name it. They're going to have to start working together to put together an emergency supplemental. And those dollars will help with the recovery. Now, FEMA will provide reimbursement with regards to the recovery. But also, you know, they will, they have the hotel voucher program. And I have to honestly tell you, with Hurricane Ida last year in Louisiana, I had a lot of friends who told me that it just didn't work. And I'm hoping that FEMA learns from those past hurricanes from last year. And that they learn that in order to provide temporary shelter, you have to work hand in hand with these hotels and you have to let these hotels know what is the process and procedures on when um, 
a survivor of a natural disaster event calls them up and said and asks, you know, can they put down a reservation and reserve a room for how many amount of days and using the voucher from FEMA? You know, th there there are a lot of people that just didn't want to do that. Remember, we're still in the pandemic. I know the Red Cross does provide shelters and gyms and other facilities. I know the Salvation Army has been called into play. And I know the World um, Central Kitchen, who is, um, oper is operated by Jose Andres, you know, we have to give them props. But the one thing that FEMA needs to do is to work with the localities to figure out ways that it that will make it safer for folks to come back and rebuild. I mean, and, and it's gonna take it's gonna take some time. It's gonna take a lot of time. It's not gonna be like a month, six months. It will likely be a year. It may be even years. Because just think about, you know, the hurricane, a category four hurricane, 155 miles per hour winds. Just think about that. And then also um, we need to remember, we need to, to give thanks to the National Weather Service, which is within the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. And we also need to thank um, those that are in the National Hurricane Center in Florida. We need to thank the hurricane hunters who fly in to the hurricane to get data so it could be extrapolated to help forecasters. And we also need to say thank you to the weather forecasters. But also I think we need to start reevaluating allowing weather forecasters out when a hurricane is taking place. Um, I think it is foolish. I think it's not safe. And I think that a lot of people see this and they're like, what are these people doing? We know that you have to report a hurricane, but you could do it safely. And I think, you know, drone technology could actually help with that aspect of it. So folks who will not be in harm's way. So I just want to say that we need to just make sure that people are safe when they're reporting you know, natural disasters, regardless of what they are. If they're a hurricane, tornado, floods. But let's also talk about what Congress has to do with regards to natural disasters. Let's talk about the National Flood Insurance Program. Congress has to reauthorize it like every four years, four or five years. And that is going to take some doing because I believe they haven't completed work on the reauthorization of the National Flood Insurance Program. There are a lot of citizens that rely on those flood insurance programs and those policies. And the one thing that I learned post-Katrina yeah, if you have a um, flood insurance policy, you better read it. You better read the fine print because guess what? They don't pay for wind damage nor a storm surge. They don't. And so there has to be some kind of way that these insurance companies 
do the right thing. And I believe after Katrina and even after Hurricane Ida, there are a lot of insurance companies, like particularly in Louisiana, that went belly up and filed bankruptcy. And I hope that that doesn't happen in the state of Florida. But just looking at the devastation of Fort Myers, I mean, I, 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 I pray to God that, you know, those who have homes, you know, in those counties that were impacted by Hurricane I, um, Ian, I really hope that you'll get the full coverage from your flood insurance policy. I really do. Um, FEMA will provide assistance. They provide public assistance. But also remember businesses that have been hit hard. The Small Business Administration has disaster uh, loans and resources at your disposal. And then also the Department of Housing and Urban Development, they have the community, pro the community block grant disaster recovery program that can be used. Um, that was actually used, CDBG funding or community block um, grant funding can be used to help rebuild homes. And, you know, it's, it's a really good program. A lot of mayors and governors love the community development block grant because it's so flexible in nature that you can use it for a variety of things. So HUD is going to be involved with the recovery. FEMA is the lead agency that's going to be involved uh, in the recovery. And also the Environmental Protection Agency. Because of the devastation that has occurred in those six to seven counties in the state of Florida, you know what you need to really think about? The water quality. So FEMA's, I mean, so FEMA's going to have to work with EPA the reason why I'm bringing this up, after Katrina, we had to worry about Lake Pontchartrain in New Orleans and the water quality. And so we had to work with EPA. There are other agencies that are going to be involved because, you know, there are going to be schools that have been impacted in these counties as well. So the Department of Education is going to have to provide some financial resources on the rebuilding of these schools and getting kids back into the classrooms. And also post-secondary um, education, the institutions of higher education, they're going to have to recover as well. Because remember, you know, we're still in a pandemic, but kids are back at school, you know, in elementary, secondary, and post-secondary education. And getting those folks back into school, that's going to take a long time. I mean, I can tell you from, you know, experience uh, post-Katrina, you know, all the universities in Southeast Louisiana had to rebuild. And we had to provide them with the money to rebuild. And I mean, this is what this is about. You're going to have to provide the financial resources for folks to get back to their lives. You just are. And I know, excuse me, a lot of people are going to be really interested in seeing how folks will vote on the emergency supplemental once it comes to Congress. And as I stated earlier, once there is an assessment 
from both hurricanes, then Congress will be able to map out how, you know, they're going to get this going. FEMA has a disaster relief fund. And I, I don't know how much money is left in the relief fund from FY 2022, but I believe it was probably it was probably a couple of billion dollars, but that will have to be replenished. And so it's going to start with the president going to visit the state of Florida in Puerto Rico and working in concert with the FEMA administrator and with the other federal agencies and figuring out how much money each of these federal agencies are going to need to push forward the recovery. So once that's done, you know, that'll be transmitted to Capitol Hill. And then the House and Senate appropriation committees will work together to put together a bill. And it's an emergency supplemental bill. And it will be the emergency supplemental for hurricanes Fiona and Ian. And we're hoping and praying Today is likely going to be the last day that the House and Senate will be in. They're going to go into recess until after the midterm election. And I know the Senate will not come back. Their first vote will not occur until November 14th. As of right now, we don't know when the House is supposed to come back after the midterm elections. So, I mean, in all likelihood, it'll probably be the following week after the election. But that's, that is when Congress is going to have to work on the emergency supplemental for hurricanes Fiona and Ian. And so that's when the work is going to be done. And then remember, on top of that, they got to complete work on FY23 appropriations. Remember, the House only passed six appropriation bills. And so there are six remaining. And so they're going to have to work with the Senate to get that done. <laughs> because remember, today, the House completed its work on the continued resolution, which lasts until December 16th. So Congress is going to have to work rather qu quickly once they get back from the midterm elections. They only have until December 16th. And so on top of the emergency supplemental for the hurricanes, you got the FY23 appropriations. And it, then also you have an annual authorization bill that provides authorization for the Department of Defense, which is, you know, it's the um, NDAA or that's the shorthand, but it's the National Defense Authorization Act. They got that. Congress has a lot, is going to have a lot on their plate when they get back from the midterm elections. They really, really are. But it's critical for folks to recover from these two devastating hurricanes to get the money necessary to rebuild their lives. And that's what this is about. And then also it's about building back better, being more resilient. Because as everyone knows, you know, we are experiencing global climate change. So we have to make our infrastructure more resilient. And what I mean by that, it starts with how your houses are being built. Are they being built to withstand hurricane force winds and rain and storm surge? And then also take into consideration the building codes 
and what's being done. And also, let's talk about if a lot of these residences are in flood zones. I know that is a controversial topic when it comes to flood zones, but it matters because that's where the National Flood Insurance Program comes into play. If you're living in a flood zone, you damn sure going to have flood insurance. If you don't, you a day late, you a dollar short. I mean, I'm just telling you the truth. And so folks are going to have to figure out, you know, are their premiums going to be increased because of this? Because they live in a flood zone. And remember, everybody has been saying in the media that this is either a 100-year storm or a 500-year storm. Just think about that. So let's think about how these areas should be protected. Now, in Louisiana, Southeast Louisiana, they have levees. And the city of New Orleans and Orleans Parish, they spent, the federal government spent billions of dollars on these levees. And the levees work. They really, really do. <clears throat> but there's some um, unintended consequences with regards to the levees because other areas in Southeast Louisiana are now being flooded. And this is something that, you know, the state of Louisiana is going to have to contend with. And then on top of that, they have coastal erosion. And so they have to slowly build back the coast because it is actually a natural buffer for to, to stop hurricanes from being so forceful. So there's a lot at play when it comes to natural disasters and the government response. And I'm not just talking about the federal government response, I'm talking about state and local response as well, because you all have to work together in this. But as I said before, FEMA is the lead agency. They're on the ground. You know, they're assessing the damage. The damage is going to be great. And so the amount of money in the emergency supplemental will be great. And I'm really hoping that it's not going to be a repeat performance like it was back in 2016 when, ooh, lo and behold, you know, New York and New England got hit hard by Hurricane Sandy. Then you had then Congressman Ron DeSantis, who's now governor of Florida. He voted against the supplemental for Hurricane Sandy. But now because he's governor and his state has been hit hard, He's he, he's making demands and, you know, and I get it. I really, really do. You know, when I worked for Senator Vitter and after Katrina, we actually worked together as a Louisiana delegation. We worked together to put together a piece of legislation that would help rebuild Louisiana. Unfortunately, the total cost of that legislation was $250 billion. And guess what? The media got wind of it. New York Times, we were the front page of the New York Times. They skewered us. They basically were like, the state of Louisiana and the Louisiana delegation is greedy. We were, we were not being greedy. We actually sat down and had stakeholder listening sessions to find out what was needed. We didn't do this like, you know, plucking, you know, something out of the air and lo and behold, it's magic. We actually went to the folks who were devastated by Hurricane Katrina. And then on top of that, Hurricane Wilma and Rita hit Southwest Louisiana. 
So it was a triple threat. So, you know, we got skewered in the press, $250 billion. And they basically were saying, why can't y'all be more like Mississippi and Alabama? I'm like, because you know why we can't be like them? Because Louisiana always gets hit by damn hurricanes. That's why. And y'all love New Orleans because you love to go to the French Quarter and Bourbon Street. But then when, you know, it gets hit, y'all start calling it Sodom and Gomorrah. And now I remember that distinctly. Having to deal with folks on the Republican side and talking to them about, you know, talking to the individual committees, talking to individual offices, I can honestly tell you it made me ill when they were like, we're, we're going to vote against this supplemental. Y'all don't need the money. You know, I, I will never forget um, Jeff Flake. He was a former congressman from Arizona, and he's a former senator, and how he would always rail about pork barrel spending. Same thing with the late Senator John McCain. And I'm like, you know what? If Arizona was hit, oh, my God. I mean, because they were getting hit by wildfires. Y'all be on it like white on rice. So don't even go there with me. What y'all need to understand is we're now living in the day of natural disasters and they're coming more frequently. And so Congress has to do its job. They have to figure out ways to pay for these natural disasters. And yes, you know, it's, it's an emergency supplemental appropriation bill. I get it. And I know a lot of you are like, no, we shouldn't be doing this. People shouldn't be living in flood zones. That yada, yada, yada. People are going to do what they want to do. And you need to understand sometimes the most vulnerable are hit the hardest. And that's what I learned from Hurricane Katrina and Rita and Wilma. That's what I learned. I think as somebody said on Twitter today, because people always ask, well, how come you didn't evacuate? It was a mandatory evacuation. Like, you know why? Because it's hard. It is damn hard to evacuate. I can tell you from personal experience. When I lived in New Orleans for five years, we had to have a to-go kit. And we also had to register with the city with regards to our evacuation plan and our route. I'm, I'm well off. I'm, I'm well off. I, I'm financially, I'm, I'm comfortable. There are those that are not. And it's hard for them to evacuate. So unfortunately, they stay in place and they shelter in place because they didn't have any other option. Or, you know, they, they went to um, the Superdome or it's now called well, the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. They didn't have a choice. So, you know, when y'all think about when it comes time, when Congress has to start working on the emergency supplemental, for Hurricanes Fiona and Ian, y'all shouldn't be squawking about it because it is what it is and people are suffering and they're going to suffer. And regardless of their political affiliation, whatever, they're human beings and they just, they, they need to be helped. And, you know, the path to Congress putting together an emergency supplemental, it's going to have to be quick. I mean, it really, really is. It's going to have to be quick. Like I said, FEMA is on the ground. You know, they do reimbursements. I mean, sometimes it's, you know, they'll reimburse 100% or it's 90, 10, or it depends. Because remember, they got to remove debris. They're going to have to rebuild schools. 
They're going to have to re, you know, help rebuild homes. They're going to have to provide temporary shelters, FEMA trailers. You know, they got, you know, water, food. They have everybody, you know, they're doing that. It's on the ground, you know, American Red Cross, Salvation Army, World Central Kitchen, although I have a little bit of beef with them, but that's for a local issue. But still, nonetheless, um, you know, everybody has to work together. And the path to getting an emergency supplemental, it, 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 in all likelihood, it's going to be rough. It's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be really, really rough because the, the political climate up on Capitol Hill is not good. It's not. I mean, heck, we couldn't even get another COVID-19 supplemental to help with monkeypox, to help with COVID-19. And remember the emergency um, declaration for the pandemic, that's going to expire soon. And just think about we can't even get the testing, the COVID-19 test kits are not free anymore. Postal service will not send them out anymore. So you need additional money. And, and so, and, and it's the same thing with natural, natural disasters. You know, we're still in hurricane season, people. Hurricane season is over December 1st. It's September 30th. You do the math, truly. I am like, gobsmacked that we are experiencing hurricanes in September. We normally start in August. So to me, this is a bit of an anomaly. And, you know, we're still in there. I mean, you know, here in Washington, D.C., we've gotten close to getting hit by a hurricane. But, you know, we're going to get the remnants of Hurricane um, Ian this weekend. I mean, just think about that. I mean, so it slowly went, it, it, it hit landfall in Florida, Western Florida on Wednesday. It was a category four. So it slowly inched up. Then it went back out to sea. Then it came back because it was a tropical storm. Then it came back and it gathered strength from the Atlantic Ocean. And now it's hitting Charleston, South Carolina. And that's a tourism destination. Just think about that. I mean, you know, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the South Carolina congressional delegation what they do. That's going to be really interesting. Um, their senator, one of their senators, um, Senator Lindsey Graham, is on the Appropriations Committee. We'll see how he works with others with regards to the emergency supplemental. I mean, I think that Republicans are going to be changing their tune because their constituents are the ones that are impacted. And it can't be, oh, how are we going to pay for this? We will pay for it somehow. We will pay for it. But people are going to be negatively impacted by this storm. And, you know, those other Republicans that are from other states who weren't impacted, and if you vote no on it, when it's your turn, we already know what you're going to do. You're going to be like, oh, you need to help my state because we need this, we need that. Yeah, we get it. Until it impacts you, you don't care. You don't care. But I'm going to tell you, I mean, the path to Congress getting this done, I'm going to say it again. I mean, it's going to be rough because, you know, you, 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 there's a process to this. The Biden-Harris administration has to be involved. 
Congress has to be involved. State and local governments have to be involved. Governors, I mean, because, you know, the governor first has to de declare a state of emergency. And then he has to send that declaration to the president. And then the president approves it. And I know a lot of you have been wondering about in Puerto Rico, you heard about um, Puerto Rico asking for a waiver of the Jones Act. Yes, the Jones Act is an archaic maritime law. And it was waived because foreign flag vessels are not allowed to come in domestically. And that was the issue. And I know there was a lot of ranting and raving of folks on social media that they wanted to know why the Biden administration did not move quick enough to do the waiver. They did it. It's done. It's going to provide the necessary fuel for Puerto Ricans to recover. But also, let's talk about the electric grid. Now, without electricity, you know, people are going to be really, really hurting. And so we're going to have to figure out ways to make our electric grid more resilient. And I know that there are a lot of dollars that was included in the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act and also in the Inflation Reduction Act. Utilities are going to have to play a, a, a pretty strong role in helping get the grid more resilient and hardened so it can withstand natural disasters. Not just natural disasters, um, like a, you know, a winter storm like what happened in Texas. And, you know, if they don't get this done, people are going to be without power. Think about how that affects hospitals, nursing homes, hospices. Just think about that. So this is just, a, this is a world that, you know, eyes view that you need to think about when it comes to natural disasters and the response from the federal government. And I will say it again, you know, a state of emergency has to be declared by the governor. Then he transmit that to the president for a, a national declaration, emergency declaration for natural disasters, because that is the trigger on when all the resources of the federal government are at the disposal of the state of Florida, to the state of Florida and to Puerto Rico. Unfortunately, Puerto Rico is not a state. They're working on it. But th there are some procedures and there are protocols. And I know a lot of people are not familiar with it, but um, you know, I'm letting you know some of the inside scoop on how this is done. And one of the things that you can look at is you can go on FEMA.gov. And also FEMA has an app that you can go to that folks that have been impacted by hurricanes, Fiona and Ian, and, they, and at their disposal, they'll provide you with the resources. So they'll ask you a series of questions. And, you know, you need to be honest about how you answer the questions because it, overall it's gonna help you. And it's gonna help you with recovery. And you business owners, please reach out to the Small Business Administration. Reach out to them because they do have a variety of resources. And I'm sure you're aware of that because of the pandemic, 
<clears throat> excuse me, when, when the Small Business Administration put out a program that actually helped, it, it forgave loans. So just think about that. Again, the road to recovery is going to be long. It, it is going to be very, very long. But I also want you to look at some other um, resources that could, you know, that will tell you and educate you about natural disasters and specifically the disaster relief fund. So the Congressional Research Service has a report entitled the Disaster Relief Fund Overview and Issues because that's where the money comes from, from FEMA for disasters. And, you know, they do provide funding for hazard mitigation through the Hazard Mitigation Grant Program. Um, there is also the BRIC program, and that is actually a new program, but that helps with building back the infrastructure more resilient. And actually, today is when you can, you know, start applying for that funding through the BRIC program. So that's something that you should think about. So, I mean, the state and local governments that can access that funding, but it all starts with the governor. And then it works its way down to the municipal levels. But again, as I said, I mean, this is going to be a long road. And got to tell you, it's not going to be pretty. And I know people are going to be really frustrated because they think that FEMA is going to be moving slow. They are going to move slow. And, and, I, and I can tell you from past experience, and even, you know, even now with one of my clients, Pallet Shelter, they provide a temporary housing solution. And we've been working with FEMA for almost a year. And we're still trying to figure out what is the best place within FEMA that we can work with to put in a stockpiling agreement for temporary shelters like Pallet and like others. I mean, again, you know, these temporary shelters like Pallet, is, their shelters are American-made. And they last 10 years. And it only takes you a half an hour to build a shelter. Just think about that. You can have a pallet shelter, you know, on your property. And if you've lost your home, you could stay in that pallet shelter, which has air conditioning and heating. It has bunk beds. You know, it has a sink. So just think about that. And then also think about, I mean, the FEMA trailers. Yeah. There's so many issues with the FEMA trailers. There's just so many issues. And they cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. So when we get into the grand scheme of things with the emergency um, supplemental for these hurricanes, it's going to be in the billions. Billions. So another area that you should look at through the Congressional Research Service is you know, they have a report that's called the Congressional Primer on Responding to and Recovering from Major Disasters and Emergencies. So I'm, let me just give you a little bit of pointers when it comes to dealing with FEMA. Have all your records at your disposal. Before you evacuate it, please, I hope you took all your important papers. The deed to your property, if you're renting your rental lease agreement, 
your bank statements, your flood insurance policies. Make sure you got your checkbook. If you old school, you OG. Or make sure that you have your cell phone and you have your banking institution's app on your phone. You're going to need all these important documents to work with FEMA. You are. And for those of you that don't want to stay in the Red Cross shelters at gyms and at other facilities, and if you want to stay at a hotel, you need to keep a lookout for the FEMA um, hotel voucher program. Also, I want to warn y'all about scammers when it comes to FEMA. And every time there's a natural disaster, got to tell you, there are folks who are nefarious and who are up to no damn good. They're going to try and fleece you of your money. And please recognize if you hear from somebody, like after you're rebuilding and you hear from a contractor and they tell you to provide money up front and this and that, ooh, that's a scam. That's a scam. So just remember, have all your important papers, number one. Watch out for scammers, because scammers are going to scam. And also remember, I hope and I pray that you had a NOAA weather radio, especially those that are in um, Charleston, South Carolina. Those are extremely important. Want you to remember, FEMA is there for you. You pay them through your taxpayer dollars, through taxes. They're there for you. But I want you to be forewarned. Those that are coming into these disaster areas, you know, FEMA swaps their employees out. So if you're talking to one person about getting reimbursed for marine debris, you nine times out of 10, you may not be talking to the same person. And that's a problem. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to forewarn you before you go postal. Now, I don't want you to go postal, and I don't want you to go to jail. But FEMA is infamous for not knowing what the right hand and the left hand are doing. I'm telling you up front. <clears throat> I'm, I'm telling you from experience. So be forewarned. Be prepared. Make sure you have all your important documents. Make sure that you keep up to date with the FEMA updates because they do provide them. Make sure that you reach out to your insurance company. Make sure that, please, you have all your medications with you and everything when you evacuated. And even if you sheltered in place, I, I really hope that, you know, nothing bad happened to you. But when it comes to natural disasters, FEMA is going to be the lead agency. The SBA is going to be the other agency that's going to lead and help with the recovery for business owners. So keep a lookout. Go on SBA.gov, FEMA.gov, because FEMA.gov will provide you with the updates. Because when you go to their homepage, they will have all the resources for Hurricanes Fiona and Ian. And if you don't have access to the internet, if you can, you know, if you don't have access to a cell phone, that's going to, it's going to be really, really difficult. They're trying to make it as easy as possible and seamless as possible 
But sometimes, I mean, you're, you're going to get really, really frustrated. I'm going to tell you that up front. You're going to get frustrated, but always remember, take a deep breath. Remember FEMA.gov, SBA.gov, and then also hold your members of Congress accountable when it comes to the emergency supplemental. Because again, this is going to help with the recovery. And I hope that there are not any more hurricanes this season. But you know what? It's September 30th, and we got a few more months to go. We got two more months to go. So let's hope that it gets quiet. One of the things we need to look out um, for is go on to weather.com. Keep an eye out on your local stations. I have to tell you, some of these local weather stations on local news, they're a bit much. They hype this crap far too much. And I, and I know that's kind of scary, but, you know, just be weather aware. That's all I'm asking. But I'm going to repeat it again, FEMA.gov, SBA.gov. Uh, the Red Cross, they're not my, uh, I mean, they do good work, but from past experience of working with them when, you know, when I went through Hurricane Katrina and even Hurricane Isaac, they're okay. But Salvation Army is going to be out there. You know, World Central Kitchen will be out there. Um, I know there's a lot of other um, state and local emergency management folks that have been deployed and that are coming to the state of Florida. Uh, they were requested by the governor. And I'm sure they're going to be requested by the governor of South Carolina and the governor of Puerto Rico. So... Just be mindful, just be aware, be weather aware. Please keep a lookout on what Congress does, because remember, it's your government. You pay their salaries through your taxes, and this is how the sausage is made. It's not going to be pretty. I'm hoping that they will get this done as soon as possible once the you know damage is assessed. And then keep a lookout on, you know, what the Biden-Harris administration is doing. And, you know, and this too shall pass. It will, it'll pass. But I hope that you've learned a lot um, about natural disasters and the response from the federal government, um, specifically from Congress, uh, from the executive branch through FEMA. Um, SBA is an independent agency. EPA is an independent agency, the Environmental Protection Agency. They're going to be worried about water quality. The Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD.gov. Remember the Community um, Development Block Grant Disaster Recovery Program. Keep a lookout on that when it comes to providing housing. And also remember the Department of Education, if schools have been disrupted, on the elementary and secondary levels, and then also the institutions of higher education, post-secondary education, if colleges and universities have been disrupted because of Hurricane Ian, look out for you know supplemental uh, appropriations for them that will help these schools and colleges and universities rebuild. But what you just just keep a lookout. I mean, there are different federal agencies that are going to be involved with the recovery. I've just given you a few, and I hope that you will be able to, you know, go on their websites 
and check and see what resources are going to be made available. Go on whitehouse.gov as well, because I know that they have provided um, resources lists as well. But again, the main lead agency is FEMA. So with that said, thank you so much for tuning in for episode five, Natural Disasters. Uh, this is Government 101, and I just took you on a journey on how your government is going to respond. So thank you so much for listening to Topless Government. Gave you a few pointers that I hope that you learn. Remember, FEMA is supposed to be your friend. Sometimes she's not your friend. No, I shouldn't say she. FEMA could be a he too. But remember, FEMA.gov, SBA.gov whitehouse.gov, epa.gov. Oh, and I also forgot Department of Commerce, Economic Development Administration, eda.gov. They will be able to provide the economic um, programs, economic development programs that will be beneficial for recovery. I know I'm listing off all these damn websites and I apologize, but they are going to be helpful they're going to help you learn about the response from a natural disaster and disaster recovery. So I hope you enjoyed Topless Government, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I hope you will take the opportunity to subscribe, rate, and review the show. And I also want to let you know, we will be on YouTube, but we also, we're on Spotify. We are on um, Boom Player and Player FM. Oh, okay, great. Oh, yeah, y'all can see my show notes. All that information will be on there. So really appreciate that. But I want to tell you, you know, the production is courtesy of Marcus Donovan. And he's the pasteurized chef. Y'all need to keep a lookout um, coming up. He's going to rock y'all world on a whole bunch of topics that are very, very important to him. And important to me as well. So I hope you keep a lookout on that. It should be coming out in the coming weeks. But just want to let you know, he's also on the District of Misfits show that comes on 10 Sunday nights. And it's a hoot, but it's actually really informative because it talks about D.C. and what's going on in Washington, D.C., and I've been on the show a couple of times and I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And I actually have learned a lot from the guests that come on. And speaking of guests, if you want to be a guest on Topless Government, please email me or Marcus at toplessgovernment at gmail.com. If you would like to start your own podcast, the District Dog Face Studios should reach out to them as well. So on that note, thank you so much for tuning in and geeking out with me. Really appreciate it. Have a good Friday. Have a good weekend because I will. Peace out. Bye.